love you. Welcome back, Couch Potatoes. Thanks for coming and sitting with us here on the couch today. I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. And I am the Faceless Leon. I don't got a face. This is Green and Faceless on the Couch, a podcast about movies and TV. Indeed. And we are back at it with that Disney playlist. Yes, the, baby. The bees knees of animates from in the bronze the age um all right so here we are with the rescuers yes. yes with the rescuers here's the here's the background skitty with me and the rescuers i think i watched this as a kid <laughs> i definitely watched the rescuers down under oh yeah yeah. I don't know if I watched this. I don't remember watching this as a kid. Well, we watched both of them. I think we watched this one more. Yeah, I I remember thinking that it was like pretty dark for a Disney movie. Like I didn't quite believe it was Disney because right of some of the dark stuff that happens in it. Yeah, it's it's pretty sinister. There's a lot of uh there's a lot of creepiness to yeah. specifically to their villain and what their villain's doing. Yes. Yeah, so that was that was very odd for me because like that was the thing is I was watching this whole thing wondering if any of it was going to come back to me, and right. none of it did. So that's why I don't think I watched this as a kid. Gotcha. But I know I definitely have seen the villain, but I don't know if I just like saw her and like you know passing like looking at other stuff like related to Disney and it's like here's uh, what was her name Medusa. Yeah, uh, Lady Madame Medusa. Madame Medusa. Madame Medusa. Played by yes. Geraldine Page. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful uh, villainous performance. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, she's like legit scary, and I think she's even scarier because she does like... I think what makes this movie darker is that the bad stuff that happens is shit that can happen in real life and does, you know? Yeah, and, except for the physical... Uh, there's some shit physics with her, uh, her like uh, hovercraft. It's not a. Oh yeah, yeah. Her. It's like a. It's a swamp buggy. Or airboat. Swamp buggy. Thank <laughs> I don't you. Know I was trying what to remember the what the fuck it's called. <laughs> but it's like it's like those it's like those airboats you would use yeah. in Everglades or at swamps though. Yeah, and it's, but it's, it's like but it's like a skidoo version. Yeah, yeah. She can she can ride it up up like kind of like a how you would ride a scooter almost. Right. Um. And, and it, if she could perform some amazing fucking jumps with that thing, <laughs> it, it, it's like it seems like it runs like on a jet engine. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But but a goal can go right through it. No, just yeah, a little right? charred. No problems though. <laughs> but uh, this this came out 1977, the same year as Winnie the Pooh. So they were they were pumping oh, wow. these ones out now. I don't know if they're going to continue with that kind of speed, but uh, last. And the last time I talked about, I didn't know if it was uh, Wolfgang Reitherman's last directorial film or not. It wasn't. He directed this one as well, alongside the same guy as the last time, John Lounsbury wow. and Art Stevens. Two movies that came out the same year. Of course, he probably didn't direct them at the same time. One of them no, probably yeah, just that, got produced quicker. Right, and I feel like I feel like his direction is more along the lines of like how Walt Disney was handling them. You know, he just oversaw everything, make sure it all worked well. John, and this is all coming out my ass. I did not research the specific roles of these directors. I just assume one of them had, you know, overall direction with like the actors and like how everything went. And then the other one had more direction over the art and how the animators did things. Like, 
I'm assuming that's how they typically split it up. But yeah, that would make sense to me. I mean, you got a a project like this, you you have to delegate. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of parts to it. You got to make sure yeah. they all work well together. <laughs> Indeed. Do you want to take it away with the story? Okay. So, um, this little girl, Penny, needs some help, and she sends out a message in a bottle, which gets found by uh, the Rescue uh, Association. I think that's what it's called. The Rescue Aid Society. That's what it is. I was going to say, I thought society was in there <clears throat> somewhere. Well, you were right. And they, <laughs> uh, they headquarter in New York. And they shadow the United Nations. They're in the same building as the United Nations, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to the United Nations. Why? Because they're mice. <gasps> <gasps> yeah. All Gasp. of them. That was a very cute scene where, like, yeah. everybody's, like, coming into work at the United Nations building. And yeah. and then out of their suitcases pops all these, like, similar-looking mice, like, similarly dressed to the individual right. carrying the suitcase. And then they all run into a tiny little mouse entrance. <laughs> it's just it's adorable. <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty great. I think it really expresses a fondness for the diversity of the world, which is kind of a change of pace for disney for for us up to this point Mm -hmm. like we they didn't have to put up one of those those signs at the the beginning of this movie and that's because they actually do the diversity right they do it right yeah yeah they don't they don't caricaturize or or i mean there's there's some a bit of like stereotypical like dress wear but like i think that's just to get the like the ethnicity across more Right. Because, you know, they're working with mice. They're working with animals that you can't really relate that uh, very well to a human. <laughs> like, sure. I, mean, I, I mean, you can. They do. They definitely do. But, like, they do it more through the clothing than yes. through, like, facial features or... Which uh, I think makes it more appropriate because they're, you're, yeah. you're recognizing that culture rather than making a caricature of the people there. Yeah. So, that's a good scene. But anyhow, we got uh, our main characters meet here. First, uh, we have Bernard, who is a janitor, <laughs> and he's welcoming yes. all the agents to the society meeting. Yeah, voiced by Bob Newhart. Oh, voiced by Bob Newhart, thank you. And then we have uh, the return of Ava Gabor as Miss Bianca. The agent from Hungary, which is where Ava Kabor is from. Right. So I thought that was really cool. Nice. Like, I don't know. And who did she. I know we talked about her already. She was in Aristocats, right? Was she? Yeah, she was Duchess in the Aristocats. Right. And Bob Newhart, for those who don't know, huge show back in, like, I can't remember what year, but uh, the Bob Newhart show, really big. People watched the crap out of that. Our generation probably know him better as Papa Elf and Elf. Oh. Yeah, oh. I feel like I feel like our generation definitely did not watch Bob no. Newhart show, no. but probably has watched Elf. They probably have, yes. Yeah, that's that's probably the better way to, to <laughs> signify who Bernard is. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, meet up and decide to try to help Penny, and that sends them on this adventure that starts at the orphanage that Penny used to live at. And leads them to the Devil's Bayou, where they try to rescue her from Madame Medusa, 
who has kidnapped her for nefarious treasure means. Yeah, like, <laughs> Jesus. And, like, I don't know why she had to choose <laughs> Penny. Well, I guess maybe it was just, like, a random thing. Like, she didn't choose Penny specifically, but, like... Right. Like, yeah, she... Yeah. she, she. I don't know, maybe Madame Medusa adopted her? I don't think they really got into the specifics about that. The cats <laughs> that they talked to, Rufus... He was a lot. He was interesting. He tells a, a nice story about it. He's played by jo- John McIntyre. John McIntyre. McIntyre? Yep. John McIntyre. From MASH? <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the character from MASH? <laughs> I think that's uh, Trapper, one of the characters in uh, the first two seasons of MASH, played by Wayne yeah. Rogers. I think his name is John McIntyre. That's oh, hilarious. really? Yeah, well, yeah. The character's name is. Yes, this guy's name That's is funny. also John McIntyre. And That's I guess he was in Psycho. Ooh, okay. Nice. The remake or the uh, No, the old, the old one. one. Uh, not the nice. 60s. You know, yeah, I call it the old one. The original or the remake? <laughs> the old one. <laughs> Oh, so sorry, Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, so that is the basic plot of of the movie. Yeah, and the, doesn't the cat say that she ran away? Yeah, like, I think that's what he thought happened. Okay, but it wasn't uh, possibly what actually happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll be I, honest. I kind of zoned out for even though I do enjoy this film. There were many moments where I was kind of zoning out, and I think it's more because uh, this is going to sound like a negative, but it's not. The artwork is muddled. A little bit. It's not. It doesn't pop off the screen. It is very subdued. It looks like a very classical artwork. I, I love the artwork. I will say that. Yeah. I know it sounds like a negative to say it's muddled, but I think the artwork is really fucking good. And for a lot of the animators, this was the last... Uh, um, if I read correctly, this was the last project for a lot of the original animators from like way back in the, like the Snow White days. Like the... A lot of them just kind of retired or left Disney after this. So, it's like this was their their swan song. You know, this was their finale. And I feel like it's a very underrated film for that reason. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's kind of a churning of the era or handing off of the reins to the new animators. Um, but it's the, – the artwork itself is beautiful. But it's subdued enough that I feel like I kind of drift away from paying attention and start, you know, being an ADHD kid out, you know, in my house and started cleaning and doing other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I I found myself pretty interested because, like, I I had watched it several times as a kid, but I haven't returned to it ever as an adult. Mm -hmm. So, rewatching it, I was curious... If it held up, and like you said, I think I underrated it as a child. Right. I think the story is is pretty great. I really like Miss Bianca and Bernard's relationship. It actually feels pretty natural. Right? It really does. Yeah, like, they, they captured it, like, kind of towards the beginning really well. Better than some films do, I feel like. But that's not the main point of the story. They, you know, they they travel all over, and my I think me and my brother's favorite part was Orville, the the seagull. That's yeah, they, they're yeah. they're <laughs> it's basically their air travel, 
Um, was was he played by the actor of Goofy, or did he just have the same laugh? It was as Jim that actor? Gordon. Let's see. Okay. Because like whenever he, because the, the, so the the joke with the goal is that he will always being their air travel, he always you know runs down the runway once they're all strapped in, and it's a very hilarious run, and then he he jumps off of the end of the building and fucking plummets. Until he finally gets the wind beneath his wings and flies, you know it's it's a very yeah. hilarious scene. But whenever he plummets, he makes that the goofy laugh. You know, I can't do it. But the that's better. They um, well, they might have just added that in because I I'm looking at you know his actor credits and it's actually a pretty short list and Goofy's not on there. All right. And it could have just been me. Like, it could have been just a very similar last, but they are, you know, they could just be completely different. And I was just, like, connecting them. Right. It definitely felt like the fucking goofy laugh. <laughs> but I agree. I think I think that Gaul is probably my favorite character. Specifically, just his running animation is just yes. great. It's yeah. just great. And he goes, like <laughs> 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 such an out of weight Gaul trying to fly these two mice around. Oh, that's adorable. Uh, and I also like the um, the very set up intro scene with Bernard and uh, Miss Bianca, where she's at the meeting and Bernard's just the janitor at the meeting. Yeah, and you know he he's the one who like they're like bring in the bottle and he brings in the bottle and he puts a comb up to climb up to the top of the bottle to get the the cork off. But as he's climbing up, he's like, uh oh, I, I I can't I can't go another step higher. This this comb has thirteen steps. That's not good. That's not you know good. he's like that's bad luck. Yeah. And like I just I love that character trait and how they immediately just establish it right then and there and it's just like, oh, and then it comes back later. You know, they yeah. bring it they bring it back I think two more times and it's very fitting for his character and for those moments in the movie. And I just love how he is timid and kind of just like, uh, I don't know. I can't, you know, I, I probably shouldn't do this. I can't do this. You know, he's he's very much yeah. um not submissive, but you know, in that in that way, he is uh, very pa- maybe more passive. Was is a better <laughs> passive way yeah. to think. But like, I like how uh, Bianca. Her, it only takes a little bit of encouragement from her for him yeah. to get the courage to do it. Exactly, and I and I love that she sees that too. She just she like because when she goes up, she's like, "I'll take this case. I'll go search for Young Penny. I'll find her." And and they're like, "Okay, but you'll need somebody to go with you." And she like turns around, and everybody at the delegation is just like, like "Me, please, please, please choose yeah. me as your volunteer." <laughs> and she's like, "I'll choose the janitor trying to work his way out of the bottle right now." And I just fucking love, like you know, it's just a great moment for uh, for that. But it's like she is such a driven and smart character that it's it's very fascinating their relationship, and I think they just they establish it really well from that get go. Oh yeah, and I like that a lot. Yeah. I'm not really sure what else to say about this movie besides that I really enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. It, it feels like Disney grew up a little bit. Yeah. Do you want me to get into the background a little bit of that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because this was um, way back in 19... I think it was 60... Let me look at my notes real quick, see if I can find the year. 1962, uh, Walt Disney shelved this project. Because it's it's based off of uh, a book series by Marjorie Sharp, right? And the writers at that time were making it very political. There was a lot of political edge to it. It was just it was way too much for Walt Disney 
to want to do it for a kid's film. So he shelved it. And he's like, we're not doing that. Around the mid-70s, or early 70s, I mean, it started to pick up popularity again in the animation department. And they dumped it off onto their, their rookie animators. They're like, you guys can just work on this. And then once Robin Hood was finished, the A-team of animators looked in and were like, oh, we want to take over this project. And so they took it over. And that's how they, they, they finished it off for the, the freshman department. Uh, I say the freshman department, but the younger, newer sure. animators, they finished it off for them, from what they worked on. And in the project, you get the promotion of uh, three key animators. And I say key because they become very important for the Disney Renaissance. Okay. But this is the project that saw the promotions of Glenn Keane, Ron Clements, and Andy Gaskill, who we will all go to on and we'll talk more about them when we get to the Renaissance, I imagine. But that's that's kind of why it does kind of feel, as you said, like it's kind of like a passing, you know, a passing of the torch kind of era right. for for Disney. This is because it kind of literally was. It was like the freshmen, the younger animators were working on it. Then they passed it off to the the you know, the A team to be like, all right, this is going to be our final project. And then we're going to duck out. (laughs) Wow. And it, it, it literally was a, I really just love that. I think the animation looked, I think that came across in the animation because it looked beautiful, but at the same time, it looked like there was a lot of time taken to some of those stills, like right. uh, the very opening shot, which is, uh, it's I think it's in Devil's Bayou. Where she throws the bottle, yes. Yeah, yeah. That that imagery, that that just the the, the opening yes. shot and then the, the whole countryside area. The is, song well, with countryside, it, too. You know, the, uh, the, yeah. The mu- there's really interesting music. Yeah, I don't remember any of it, but yes, the music was good. <laughs> yeah, nothing like super jumps out like as a catchy tune like, you know, most Disney movies make you think, but I yeah. really enjoyed it while it was going and feel like I could fall in love with those songs as just something to listen to. Yeah. And I honestly, I appreciate them not being earbuds. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I feel like I crap on a lot of the older movies that we've done with Disney where I've just been like, oh, it's music's not really rememberable, is it? But then again, I hate it when it gets stuck in my head. Right. Like, there's one I'm so, thinking of right now. Like, I'm pretty sure I just sent it to you telepathically on accident. Yeah. I'm, I'm so just thinking sorry. you should let it go. Don't. Now it, just now it, go, it lives. Man. Now it lives, just, Greg. Don't, don't let it live. Just let it go. release its binds upon you well we'll get there when we're 80 uh, (laughs) and we'll watch talk about that movie right i did only i had two more fun facts about this one fun fact is this is the first disney movie that gets a sequel uh, coming uh, yeah. up in 1990 yeah uh, as we've already mentioned rescuers down under come out but that's the first uh, like, Disney animated what a, sequel. What a choice. Like, when I think of Disney right? sequels, that is not what I think of. I do remember liking that one, though. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I definitely. I remember actually watching that one. I know I've watched that one. And I'm again, I feel like I have watched this one. It just it did not stay with me. But it, when I read that on the Wikipedia, that this was the first Disney animation that had a had a sequel, I was like, "What? Are you kidding me? We've already watched like how many how many movies have we watched that have a sequel? Like we've watched so many that have already been, uh, you know, they've done something else with it. Well, they did it all after that after 1990. I did not realize that. 
So what? amazing restraint to Disney for holding <laughs> off on that. <laughs> yeah, they were, they they took a long time before they were like, you know what? Let's go back and dig up this cash well. I would have thought, you know, like with all the Winnie the Pooh movies there are, I would have thought one of them. Right. Would have See, that's what I was thinking. I thought that's, yeah, precisely where my mind went with that. I was like, I was pretty sure they turned that into a huge franchise. Well, they waited, I guess. But my other my other fun fact, and I don't know if you know this. I read this and I, I went down the rabbit hole on this and I thought it was really funny, really hilarious. Uh, Madame Medusa was originally supposed to be Cruella de Vil. The so, actor who played Madame Medusa? The character no, the character of Madame Medusa was originally Cruella de Vil. So they were originally just gonna, gonna redo Cruella de Vil? Not redo. It was going to be a sequel to that. It was going to be. It's going to be in the same world as One Hundred and One Dalmatians. But now Cruella Deville is kidnapping a kid for uh, treasure reasons. But instead, you know, they they decided that wasn't a good move. They didn't like how that felt. You know, they didn't want it to be a sequel in that man in that in that manner. So instead, animator Milt Cole or Call K A H L Call he created Madame Medusa. And he, he created this character and enveloped it in such a way that he wanted nobody else to have a hand in it. It was a very personal character, and he animated basically all of her stuff, Milt Call. And the reason it was personal <laughs> is because he, he based it very heavily off of his then-wife, Phyllis Bounds, uh, who he did not like. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> he, he was really starting to hate her, <laughs> so he based it on his wife. <laughs> That's terrible. And fun fact, uh, uh, Phyllis Bounds is the niece of Lillian Disney, Walt's wife. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah, so he was, I don't know if there was, like, specific, like, patriarchal drama there. It's like, you know, a a marriage was arranged. It does kind of feel like a royal family kind of thing where he's like, oh, I hate this woman, but I'm stuck with her. I'm just going to turn her into the villain in my movie. It's very unflattering when you think about it, but like at the same time, it's so fucking hilarious. (laughs) And and it also gives that character a lot of human qualities too, because as vile as Madame Medusa is and her actions are, she is very real. Yeah, and I think that's what makes her more terrifying, honestly. Agreed, yeah, because you see her and you're like, I know about four people like that. And (laughs) it's just, it's very, very unnerving. Garlic is whining about something, so I'm going to just check on her real quick. We'll do quick, we'll do quick closing statements because your dog's got to go. My your dog's, dog's got gotta to go. So real quick uh, to wrap it up. I really enjoyed this one. Again, I was not expecting much from it because I did not remember it. Right. And, uh, and, and it's not really well talked about. It's very underrated. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, it's one of those Disney films that I feel most people are like, yeah, that was good, but they don't they don't talk about it much. And I get it. it even though the story itself isn't subdued, the, the project as a whole is very subdued, I feel. Kind of does disappear in the back curtain of everything. But right. it's very good. Very good animation. I loved it a lot. Uh, three stars. I uh, like it quite a bit. I don't think it's quite a face and a half film. But I think what I really like about it is that it's just so different from what we've watched so far right it it just has a completely different feel and it might be because it's in the modern setting and and your villain just is very realistic and 
it's it's a darker edge to Disney, and maybe maybe uh, a vision of what's to come. We'll have to see. But that, that's yeah, what definitely. I have to say for closing statements. Bought a fucking being, baby. That's been the rescuers. I don't remember what is the next. I think it's the next Black one. Cauldron, but I'm not sure. Oh, I'm very excited for that one. Yeah, okay. I like that one. I, I feel like I think I remember that one scaring me as a kid, but then I don't remember anything about it because of that. Right, right. But yeah, we'll we'll be back uh, next next week with that couch potatoes thank you so much for listening in if you like what you've listened to you can go to our patreon page at patreon.com slash green and faceless check our shit out let us know what your uh, what your interests are check out that shit check out that shit <laughs> and i have been the green traveler and i am the faceless leon thank you much lee safe travels and good night Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.